Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of realeverything.com. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health. Welcome back, Whole View listeners. I'm so excited for episode 410 because it's one of those shows that I asked for. (laughs) I have been taking specifically bio-optimizers magnesium. Um, I took other magnesium before years ago and did not feel a difference. And I asked Sarah, I'm like, why is this magnesium making me feel so good? And she's like, let's do a show on that. Like, let's not make that a text message. So this week, I am super excited to dive into the science of magnesium. And um, spoiler alert, I looked at the show notes and it's really good. But first, <laughs> but first, I want to shout out our sponsors because we legitimately reached out to them and asked if they would sponsor the show because of how much I personally love and feel different on their magnesium. So if you've mm-hmm. taken like over-the-counter regular magnesium before and you haven't felt a difference, I would suggest trying this brand because it made a difference for me. And you can get 10% off with Whole View 10 or if you go to Mag breakthrough.com slash whole view. That link will be in the show notes. It will automatically pull the whole view 10 coupon code in for you. And there's some bundled sets there for you that'll save you extra money as well. Uh, so my bad, because this is actually episode 409 and, uh, I was going to correct you as soon as you said 410, but then you were saying all these lovely, wonderful things about magnesium and it, it felt just like really rude to like butt in and, and stop your like magnesium love uh expression so it's actually episode 409 uh however um i'm really excited to talk about magnesium this is one of those um i think undervalued nutrients and when we start getting into talking about like just how extensive the roles are that magnesium has in human health and the links between Uh, dietary magnesium insufficiency and chronic illness it it it's just one of those like oh i need to pay more attention to magnesium it's it's actually a really fascinating uh it's a really fascinating mineral so did you know stacy that it's the fourth most abundant mineral in the human body i did not but now i mean technically i knew that about five minutes ago when i stuck the peak of the show notes (laughs) No, but the other the other thing that I am um, really interested to learn about, I know you're going to dive deep into the science, but this is one of those supplements that does better in the evening than the morning. And so just before we dive into all of the science, um, and I know Sarah will talk about the um, superfoods, so to speak, that you can eat to also naturally increase your magnesium. But one of the things that I want to point out is that we've talked a lot about sleep issues the past couple of weeks. And honestly, going into COVID, I think we had another sleep topic show as mm-hmm. well. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, it's almost like sleep's important or something. Something like that. I, yeah. I can't quite recall. But yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> I Going into COVID is when I started 
being really diligent about taking magnesium in the evenings. And when I ran out of this particular brand that I take, um, my sleep was affected. I think I mentioned that last week when we were talking about blue light glasses as well. And so that's when I was like, oh, wow, this is really working well for me. But I just want to say it's it's not like um, my liver pills that I take in the morning and give me an energy boost. This is the opposite effect. It's um, an evening recommendation. And I'm for sure excited to hear why. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's um, let's first just talk about magnesium's roles in the human body. Um, then we'll sort of get into food sources, um, the prevalence of uh, dietary insufficiency, what might make us need more magnesium, because I think that's really, really important. And then we can talk about the different forms of magnesium that you can get in supplement and why magnesium breakthrough, um, which is made by bioptimizers, is such a great supplement that we invited them to sponsor this show. So magnesium, uh, as the fourth most abundant mineral in the human body, um, as soon as you say it's, it's like that big of a deal in terms of, of its, um, just sheer prevalence in the human body, it suddenly starts to sink in that, Oh, like maybe it also does a lot of things. It actually is necessary for more than 300 different enzymes to work, either as a cofactor or as a stabilizer. So what that means is, is those enzymes, what enzymes do in the body is they catalyze chemical reactions. So they basically um, make a chemical reaction happen either by um, bringing in, you know, some kind of like bringing the things together, right. And making it happen, bringing in, adding the energy that's needed, or they speed up a reaction that might happen, but would otherwise happen more slowly. And, um, and so enzymes basically control every process in the human body because they're controlling the chemical reactions that have to happen in us in order for us to live. Among the enzymes that magnesium is required for to work is every enzyme that uses or synthesizes adenosine triphosphate, or ATP, which is the basic energy currency of all cells. So our cells cannot make energy or use energy without magnesium. And at ATP is like it is required for... All, like and everything related to metabolism, uh, things like muscle contraction, things like methylation, um, things like um, uh, neuro neurological signaling, like all of those things are require ATP. So if you start to look at every single action that uses cellular energy or makes cellular energy is magnesium dependent, it starts to become really easy to see why magnesium is, is so important for human health and has such a diverse range of, of effects. It's also required for the enzymes that synthesize DNA and RNA. So that's required for things like cellular division, turning on and off genes through epigenetic factors, um, making proteins, right? Um, it is essential for um, the enzymes that are involved in neurotransmitter synthesis. That's how our brain cells, or one of the main ways our brain cells communicate. 
Um, it is not only a major constituent of bones and teeth, but it actually regulates bone formation. It's important for uh, muscular contraction and relaxation. It is required for the production of testosterone and progesterone. It is um, actually important for the metabolism of other nutrients. So other nutrients can't be properly used in the body if we don't have enough magnesium. And that includes phosphorus, calcium, potassium, sodium, all of the B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin E, and as we'll talk about a little bit later, vitamin D. Um, it is necessary for all detoxification functions. It regulates vascular tone, heart rhythm, and um, platelet activation. So through that, it's regulating blood pressure, cholesterol production. It has a very, very strong link to high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease when we're not, when we're not consuming enough magnesium. And it also regulates insulin pathways, um, thereby regulating blood sugar levels. And again, like low magnesium uh, in the diet is linked to type 2 diabetes. And so like that's kind of like the micro view. I want to take a step back and look at magnesium function in a more macro sense, because I think that's a little bit more relatable than uh, just knowing that magnesium is important for ATP <laughs> synthesis and usage. So how does that translate? Like all of those different, you know, um, all of those different enzymes that need magnesium, what does that translate to when we start to look at our, like how we're feeling, right? Lifestyle. So Magnesium plays a critical role in the stress axis. Every single aspect of the HPA axis, which is our fight or flight response, uh, is sensitive to magnesium. Um, and it's actually what's really fundamental about that is because the HPA axis, like overactivation of that axis is sort of tied with anxiety and depression, we can see through magnesium's actions on the HPA axis and how, um, how each hormone in that, um, in that sort of whole system is communicating some aspect of the stress response. All of that being like all of that relying on magnesium in order to function normally, we can see that magnesium deficiency is actually probably a precursor, like a necessary precondition for the development of generalized anxiety disorder and depression. And it's through all of these diverse actions in the HPA axis. And actually there's been animal studies where they just don't give them enough magnesium and the animals uh, show um, behavioral uh, behaviors that are representative of depression and anxiety, and then they can treat those animals with antidepressants and show, you know, benefit, or they can treat them with magnesium and show reversal, which is kind of crazy. Um, and actually in humans, low levels of magnesium, either in the blood or in cerebral uh, spinal fluid have been associated with um, depressive symptoms as well as suicidal idolation. And so we can see that through, this is through, um, through the actions in terms of neurotransmitters and in terms of the HP axis, we can see this direct link between magnesium insufficiency and depression and anxiety. There's also a second link, um, which is through sleep because we know inadequate sleep is also linked with, um, uh, sort of mood disorders and, and mood in general, right? So um, there's now a fairly good understanding that magnesium plays a role in regulating sleep. So it 
actually helps to regulate central nervous system excitability. So it has this calming effect on the central nervous system. And that, Stacey, is one of the reasons why we want to take magnesium in the evening, because it does have this like full body relaxation effect. And that is mediated in part through muscle relaxation and in larger part through this decreasing of activity in the central nervous system. It also helps to um, promote the activity of GABA, which is one of the main neurotransmitters involved in sort of relaxation and sleep. Um, So we've actually, there's been a variety of studies showing that there's a direct relationship between the amount of magnesium in the blood and how much people sleep and how much deep sleep they have versus uh, REM sleep. So if you have lots of magnesium in your blood, you tend to get a lot better quality sleep, a lot more deep sleep and less REM sleep. And there's been a variety of studies showing that supplementation with magnesium improves sleep. And actually even some studies showing that magnesium deficiency may contribute to insomnia. Um, so a little bit, a little bit harder to say magnesium supplementation uh, improves insomnia. That hasn't necessarily been shown, but that magnesium deficiency may be a contributor. I am just over here like, yep, check the box. High stress. <laughs> yep, check the box. Um, it's, I think, interesting. You and I, years and years and years ago, did a presentation on the HPA axis that I always mm-hmm. go back to because I hadn't slept because of some flight issues oh. and blah, 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 blah. Some, and, some flight issues is so the like polite way of talking about I, I don't even that, want to talk about that particular travel day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I remember showing up to a book signing in like sweatpants mm-hmm. three hours late. Let's just, like, it was a situation. But anyway, I think it's ironic because that presentation was all about the things that are now like how important what I didn't have at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, But I think it's important for a lot of people to, to realize and um, magnesium is one of those things that's relatively easy to not have enough of because of how much we need it, how much it's doing in our body, um, which I didn't realize at all. (laughs) But um, it's also one of those things where for me, it's not like a long term ramp up. I wonder if maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Like I feel a difference within like one or two days of getting back on it. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like when I ran out and then when I got back on. So I'm assuming it's not like, um, like a bucket you need to fill for we like for example probiotics might take longer right for you to feel it for example yes yeah so um the magnesium levels in our blood are generally controlled by our kidneys and we have this um like reserve storage of magnesium most of the magnesium in our body at any given time is in our bones and so our kidneys in uh regulating things like you know, electrolytes in the blood, like blood pressure, right? They have a lot of these jobs. They don't just make pee, right? Our kidneys are pretty awesome. Um, so one of the things that they can do is take magnesium from the bone to restore it into our blood system. But there are certain conditions where we burn through magnesium and then all of a sudden that we can't like access the stored magnesium in our bones 
fast enough to keep blood levels at sort of an optimum level. And that's where you would see serum magnesium levels drop. Um, and that, that really actually is related to stress. So, uh, when we're stressed, we basically like burn through magnesium really, really quickly. Um, and that actually, you know, it happens in both acute stress and then in chronic stress. And it turns out that chronic stress basically can cause magnesium deficiency, um, through just this like constant increased turnover of magnesium. Now, when we consume magnesium, um, the dominant way that magnesium ions would get absorbed is basically through, um, like through ion channels, which, um, in, our cells, you're, it's basically going from an area of high concentration to an area of low concentration. So if the kidneys are doing a fairly good job of regulating serum magnesium, we don't absorb as much elemental magnesium from our diet, um, which is why chelated forms become so important. Um, so we're going to talk about that, but I think before we get there, I think there's a few more um rules of magnesium that I want to highlight just to help really, um, I really want our listeners to understand how diverse the negative impact is of insufficient magnesium. So magnesium is also really important for performance and as uh, sports performance and recovery, or I guess less so for recovery than performance. There's been a variety of studies that show um, that exercise performance is compromised uh, with uh, insufficient magnesium. Um, these studies have basically shown that any way that you can measure performance, so um, things like grip strength, um, lower leg power, knee extension torque, ankle extension strength, um, maximal isometric truck, uh, trunk uh, flexion, which I don't even I don't even know what that means. Um, but uh, jumping performance, um, endurance. So any way that uh, scientific researchers can measure how well a muscle is performing is sensitive to magnesium. Um, and actually, there um, there are studies showing that um, having enough magnesium is really important for muscle recovery. Um, supplementation with magnesium has a fairly small effect to how muscles recover. Um, it, you can measure it, but it's, it's relatively small. It's much more about sort of avoiding deficiency, but here's the one that I, Stacy, this is, this is going to be mind, mind, mind blowing. Did you know that our bodies cannot metabolize vitamin D without magnesium? I did not know that. Although I, I would say, I would have guessed that it needs something for synergistic absorption. Mm. You know, like no vitamin or mineral is good in a vacuum, right? Like That's true. Yeah. So um, it, vitamin D, which we've talked about on the show before, um, if we're taking large amounts of vitamin D to, say, address deficiency um, and we're not actually we're not actually getting enough magnesium in our, in our diet, um, that vitamin D stays inactive and stored in our bodies and isn't actually like doing the things that vitamin D is supposed to do. And there's been studies showing that, um, when patients have optimum magnesium levels, they require far lower doses of vitamin D in order to bring their vitamin D levels up, which is 
I, I mean, it's just crazy cool when you start thinking about like all the things that magnesium does, plus all the things that vitamin D does. And that's all the stuff that can't work optimally if we're not getting enough magnesium. Some of the benefits might also be mediated through the gut microbiome, although magnesium clearly has all of these direct effects through, um, through its actions on these, again, over 300 different enzymes. But there have been studies showing that a magnesium deficient diet reduces gut um, microbial diversity, um, diversity being one of the most important measurements of a healthy gut microbiome. Uh, and that some of the like most important bacterial species like bifidobacterium reduce in a magnesium deficient diet. Interestingly, when we look at the gut microbiome, there seems to be some kind of compensation. So um, there seems to be, if we're not eating enough magnesium, again, right, the kidneys are really important for controlling the amount of magnesium in our blood. And it looks as though we can almost like, almost like donate magnesium to our gut microbiome. So if we're chronically not consuming enough magnesium, eventually that magnitude of effect will diminish. Um, but again, it's like another, like another reason why um, getting enough magnesium into us is so, is so important. I have a question. Yes. Because there's so much regulation with the kidneys, um, long story, I'm going to speed up. My grandfather had kidney issues and we were cooking for him for years mm -hmm. and years. And we had to focus on foods that were low in potassium. So we, you know, we were avoiding things with potassium because it would have been a burden on his kidneys. Um, is there information relative to the synergy between magnesium and potassium, um, given that there is information with vitamin D, like I'm wondering how they interplay in terms of kidney health. And I, I also kind of like spoiler alert, looked ahead. And I know one of the foods that's high in magnesium is also high in potassium and looks mm -hmm. like a couple of them actually. Um, so just kind yeah. of curious about that. So um, I don't know the, the answer to your very specific question. What I do know is that both magnesium and potassium are very, very important for control of blood pressure. And of course, it's, you know, our kidney's main job is to control um, blood pressure. So uh, when we're potassium deficient or magnesium deficient or both deficient, that elevates blood pressure. Um, and especially when we're low in magnesium and or potassium relative to sodium. So we're consuming too much sodium and not enough potassium or too much sodium and not enough magnesium that that elevates blood pressure. And that's through the uh, electrolyte balance that is controlled by our kidneys. I do not specifically know if you had kidney failure, if that would imply um, having to be careful about magnesium consumption in addition to potassium consumption. Yeah. I, it wasn't mentioned by doctors, but like looking at this food list, I'm like, huh, there's so much together. And I'm wondering not just about kidney function, but like how, how much harmony there is between the two in terms of, um, supporting one another and, and that kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's, a very it's also, question. <laughs> um, it's also worth, um, I think it's sort of worth mentioning here, um, is that there's a very, very strong, um, very strong effect between vegetable consumption and kidney function in general. So um, when, when you hear people talk about alkaline diets, that's often misrepresented as whether or not a food has a 
alkaline or a basic pH when you consume it. That's not what that means. It means an alkaline diet is a diet that um, provides all of the vitamins, minerals, and phytochemicals that the kidneys basically need to function optimally because kidneys also control the pH of our blood. So um, that's what an alkaline diet means. It basically means that the kidneys are not under strain due to a nutritional deficiency for this really important control of pH. If the kidneys don't have all of the resources, then they will take those resources again from all of those stored minerals in our bones in order to maintain our blood pH. So our pH of our blood does not change a whole lot. So it's not that if we didn't consume an alkaline diet, we'd suddenly have acidic blood. Um, if that happened, we'd be dead. Um, but rather, it it really is referring to the strain on the kidneys, how hard the kidneys are having to work and where they're getting the resources from. So I want to sort of emphasize while we're on this like kidney health tangent um, that a high vegetable and fruit consumption is one of the most important things that we can do for kidney health. Hydration is the other one. And there's actually been studies in um, uh, chronic kidney disease, even as far as kidney failure, where they've done fruit and vegetable interventions in humans where they basically like, here you have, you know, stage four (laughs) Uh, chronic kidney disease, here's a bunch of fruits and vegetables. They they do things like, um, in these studies, they'll basically like give people groceries and they've actually shown restoration of, of kidney function just with eating more fruits and vegetables. So um, as we talk about high magnesium foods, also knowing that a lot of these are high in potassium, those are really, really important minerals for kidney function. So again, if you have um, kidney disease, please talk to your doctor about whether or not you need to do anything special diet wise, knowing about these intervention studies with higher fruit and vegetable intake. Um, there's no reason to, I want to really emphasize there would be no reason to avoid potassium rich foods or magnesium rich foods. If you have healthy kidneys, that's, that's the main thing that I want to make sure this, this tangent doesn't, um, doesn't give that, that, uh, impression. Yes, a hundred percent. And even even when we were making food for my grandfather, and they would tell us some of the foods to stay away from, I'd be like, "What? That doesn't seem right." But um, then again, I can't eat tomatoes, so who am I to talk? But um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of this is, I feel so good when I'm on magnesium that I wanted to share. So certainly, this is not a conversation to avoid it. So. Um, I am shocked to look at some of these foods with dietary magnesium to see the actual amount of magnesium per serving versus Mm -hmm. how much you need per day. So while we're going to talk about this, could we maybe give perspective on that? Because I'm looking at this and I'm like, no wonder I'm not getting enough. Even these foods Mm -hmm. that I am eating, I'm not eating like four servings of them. Right. Okay. So... The recommended daily allowance of magnesium. Now, keep in mind that the recommended daily allowance is sort of defined as about 97% of the population would be getting adequate amounts if they consumed this much. So still two, two and a half-ish percent of the population would not be getting enough. And um, it's defined as a sort of minimum amount to not show signs of deficiency. It is different than asking how much we need for optimal health. That's a really challenging thing to define. And that's why we don't actually set any kind of daily values for nutrients based on uh, an optimal level. It's because it's it's really 
amorphous to to put a number on that. It's much easier to say, oh, and if you get less than this, look, signs of deficiency. That's an easier thing to measure. So the um, recommended daily allowance for magnesium is 420 milligrams for men and 320 milligrams for women. Um, if we look at the highest magnesium content food, a uh, six ounce serving of fresh tuna would be 109 milligrams of magnesium. That's like super high. Um, if you consumed a cup of cooked spinach, that's, I think about the equivalent spinach shrinks so much when we cook it. I think it's like the equivalent of about 10 cups raw. Um, that would have 157 milligrams of magnesium. Um, other foods that are like considered magnesium powerhouses, like chocolate, a one ounce square has, um, 65 milligrams. Um, a whole banana has about 27 milligrams. Um, a whole avocado has about 58 milligrams. A one ounce serving of almonds has 77 milligrams. And these are um, like the top magnesium content foods. Um, in general, um, things that are uh, dark green in general tend to be really high in magnesium. Um, nuts and seeds generally have a good amount of magnesium fish generally does. And then there's like these few sort of other like, uh, avocados, bananas, dark chocolate, the darker, the better, um, are also sort of sources of magnesium, but it's, it's, uh, you really have to be aware of your magnesium content to make sure that you're getting enough. And, and then this, there's this whole other piece of, um, chronic stress, basically, uh, increasing our magnesium needs in a way that's not quantifiable. So we don't really, we can't say that if you're this much stressed, you need this much more magnesium. That's, that's not a thing that, that science can tell us right now. Actually quantifying stress is already a super hard thing to do in scientific studies. Um, but we do know that the more stressed we are, the more magnesium we need. Now here's Here's, I think, the, the super eye-opening part. So the standard American diet uh, only provides about half of the magnesium that we actually need. Um, and studies estimate that approximately, or at least three quarters of us in Western countries in general, are magnesium deficient. We're not consuming enough magnesium. And there's actually racial disparities in magnesium uh, dietary insufficiency. So um, there was a study published in 2018, we'll put a link in the show notes, of course, um, that actually looked at dietary intakes um, of a sort of wide uh, sampling of ethnic backgrounds. They found that on average, 83.3% of the participants were not meeting the recommended level of dietary magnesium intake. Um, it was about 82.8% in white Americans. 84.4% in Hispanic Americans and 90.6% of African Americans not getting enough magnesium. Um, they had sort of like an other ethnic group that sort of lumped everybody else together. Um, and that was 78.1% of those people were not getting enough magnesium. So this is like 80 to 90%. Um, and what was interesting about this paper, there's actually been a few different papers that because magnesium deficiency is such a strong risk factor for hypertension, for um, 
for type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, for cardiovascular disease in general. Um, you know, there's been a couple of papers that are making the case that this um, lower magnesium intake um, may be one of the contributing factors to that the racial disparities seen in chronic illnesses. Um, and this paper that was looking at um, different magnesium intakes in different um, cultural backgrounds, they tried to do a bunch of statistical analysis to try to hone in on why there's racial disparities in magnesium deficiency. And they basically um, they basically said it was sort of due to two factors. Um, so one factor was a socioeconomic disparity, and, and that was the dominant factor. And then the secondary factor was cultural differences. And so they actually, once they were able to correct for low socioeconomic status, which is strongly associated with poor diet quality because healthy foods tend to be more expensive and less accessible, um, that that was the major driver of this disparity. Um, and then there was sort of a secondary, like once they were able to correct for socioeconomic status, there still was a significant difference in the magnesium intake between African-Americans and white Americans, um, but it wasn't as big. So they were able to basically say there's there's a, a piece of this that's a cultural difference, but the larger piece of it is the socioeconomic difference. I really appreciate you pulling that data. And I also think it's um, quite interesting to think about it from the perspective of the fruits and vegetables um, mm -hmm. that would potentially be in a cultural difference, for example, of other, other ethnic groups, for example, like someone who has a more traditional type diet would have more um, nuts and seeds and vegetables in general, probably in their diet too, less modern food, so to speak. Right. Yep. And, um, so that's, was fascinating number. The lowest one to look at is one that you can't really identify based on the information provided, yeah. but that we can potentially suppose that they might have a more traditional diet based on wherever, um, their ethnicity was being grouped, which is unknown at this time. But so what's what's a, a, another really interesting? I'm going to build on that because I think you intuited something that I didn't actually put in the show notes, but came out of this paper. Um, was um, so legumes are another source of magnesium, and what was really interesting is when they did evaluated this disparity between magnesium intake between African-American and white Americans in their um, study population, when they did the same analysis between Hispanic Americans and white Americans, they were able to attribute 100% of that disparity to socioeconomic status. Um, and so as soon as you corrected for that, there was no longer a difference. And that is very likely because of the um, ethnic Hispanic foods tend to rely very heavily on um, beans, which are a, a very gr you know good dietary source of magnesium. So while this there was a a um, basically a while we can't explain all this difference, it, the the remaining difference is most likely explained by cultural differences between um, white and African Americans. That cultural uh, cultural difference. Even though obviously traditional foods are different, um, there wasn't a 
a sort of lean towards magnesium insufficiency in the Hispanic population that was included in this um, once you corrected for socioeconomic status. So other than switching my diet to uh, dark chocolate covered almonds and Mm -hmm. tuna only, um, (laughs) I mean, obviously dark leafy greens, I'm making a joke. Uh, I think that we all know that there are certain times of the month when we're more stressed or hormonal or whatever that we're drawn Mm -hmm. to things like chocolate. Um, And this would be uh, partially a reason why that your body is telling you it needs more magnesium is always the justification that I use. (laughs) But um, other than that, I think what I'm actually really excited to learn more about as well is this idea of magnesium absorption. Um, I've heard of and read about uh, magnesium being absorbed differently than some of the other supplements that you might take. And I think this is one of the reasons that um, the particular um, bio-optimizer magnesium works well for me. Um, Could we talk a little bit about like why that is and what we might need to be aware of or look for? Yes. Um, Yeah. So what's really interesting is that, um, I mean, minerals in general have multiple pathways into our body. Um, But the the most, you know, the two most common, right, if you're just talking about a mineral is simple diffusion. So it's diffusing across the gut barrier into our body. Again, that's across a concentration gradient from high concentration to low concentration and ion channels, which can pump a um, pump uh, minerals across a concentration gradient. So you don't necessarily need, you can go from, from low to high in that particular case. Um, but ion channels require energy and they have like a, a maximum amount of mineral that they can, they can, um, pass through them, right. They have like a maximum rate. And so what's really neat about magnesium supplements is, um, all of these absorbable forms, right. And we'll, we'll talk about all of the best absorbable forms and why they're so great. Um, what they do is they, they, um, are something called a chelate, which basically means it's magnesium bound to another thing. And generally it's an amino acid or an amino acid complex. So now instead of going through ion channels or simple diffusion for magnesium to get inside the body, we can use the amino acid, um, transport, um, channels to get into the body. So there's basically these like cool little like receptors in our, um, the cells that line our gut and the amino acid binds to it. Magnesium is bound to the amino acid. And then that brings that thing across the gut barrier and into the body. And so depending on, we have many, many different types of, uh, amino acid, um, transporters. And so different types of amino acids will bind to different transporters with different affinities, which we've talked about on the show before. And so um, one of the things that you can do is you can manipulate how magnesium is absorbed by binding it to different amino acids and by combining forms of magnesium where you're going to take advantage of multiple different amino acid transporters to get into the body. What's also really neat about being able to do this is like not only can you you really see that um, chelating magnesium to different amino acids um, really changes how it's absorbed. So for example, if you had just a straight magnesium ion, um, you can um, absorb uh, about, and this is like per unit time, um, about 0.3 
millimoles um, is sort of like the concentration that can move. Um, if you look at magnesium oxide, right, that's that's not chelated. It's it's just has a little oxygen uh, stuck to it. Um, you can go all the way to 7.6 millimoles. If you chelate to um, to something like um, glycine and get a magnesium um, glycinate, now you can transport 24.5 millimoles. And so the being able to switch from using an ion transporter to an amino acid transporter makes a huge difference in terms of how the body can bring magnesium in. And so this is why these different chelated forms of magnesium are so beneficial. You're literally going from like maybe 10% absorption to 90% absorption. Um, and each, each one will have, will be slightly different, but then you have on top of that, you have the, the potential benefit of also the thing that the magnesium is chelated to. So that's where the different, um, forms of supplemental magnesium become really interesting. So I mentioned magnesium glycinate, also called magnesium um, bisglycinate. It's generally considered like the easiest for our bodies to absorb. It has some of the highest absorption rate, although there's a couple of other forms that are right up there around 90% absorption. Um, but because it has this glycine added to it, um, it has sort of has this extra benefit of like adding glycine, which is an anti-inflammatory amino acid. It's important for connective tissue, for, for bone development. Um, so you get this sort of like added benefit of having, um, having the, the glycinate or, um, the glycine that's chelated to the magnesium to, to absorb. Um, there's some other really cool ones out there. So, Magnesium malate um, has been shown in particular to be um, helpful for the um, from chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia pain, um, and that's because of the the malic acid that is chelated to the magnesium. Um, magnesium taurate that's bound to a taurine, which is an, uh, an amino acid that we don't, it's not actually part of the 20 amino acids that we use to build proteins, um, but it can be um, used uh, to insert into proteins after those proteins are formed, which is really cool. Um, and this particular, so taurine is known to basically have a calming effect. Um, and it's also really important for immune function and cardiac function. Um, magnesium threonate. So this is magnesium, um, bound to a threonine. This is like the newest magnesium form on the market. And it's been shown to be particularly helpful for Alzheimer's and other neurological disorders. Um, and that's again, because of the benefits of uh, threonine. Um, magnesium citrate um, is one of like the oldest forms, but it actually has been shown to be particularly easily absorbed and bioavailable. Um, and uh, because this one is actually bound to citric acid, um, it, worth noting, it also has some mild laxative properties uh, that it, let's actually talk about magnesium and laxatives for a second here. Listen, if you're relaxing, you're relaxing all of your body. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, true. Um, also, peristalsis uh, is muscle contraction. So having um, the appropriate electrolytes is really important for regulating peristalsis. Um, so magnesium is part of that. But magnesium is also like, think of milk of magnesia, 
right? Um, that is a like classic form of magnesium. Think of um, uh, like magnesium. Uh, so milk of mag milk of magnesia is magnesium hydroxide. Uh, magnesium oxide is often used as a laxative as well. So the way, reason why those work as laxatives is that concentration gradient. Um, if you put a lot of magnesium in the digestive tract, by the time it gets to the large intestines, it reverses the direction of water. So most of the nutrients um, that we consume in our food are absorbed in the small intestine. We've got a few things that are absorbed in the large intestine, but mostly what's absorbed in the large intestine is water. And if you dump a whole pile of not very absorbable magnesium into your digestive tract, when it gets to large intestine, instead of water being absorbed from the large intestine into the body, uh, you switch the direction of water flow, because again, concentration gradients, and water goes into the large intestine. And that's how things like milk of magnesia work as a laxative. It's basically by softening stool, uh, sometimes alarmingly well. Um, so, uh, so forms of magnesium that will work as a laxative but aren't really going to be absorbed would be, again, milk of magnesia, that's magnesium hydroxide or magnesium oxide. Um, Epsom salts, um, don't eat those, but those are magnesium sulfate. Again, not, not, a, not a supplement. So those are forms of magnesium to not consume. Um, so uh, just to note, magnesium citrate can have mild laxative properties. And if you are consuming a straight... Um, magnesium citrate supplement, and that's the only form of magnesium in it, um, you will eventually hit, and it'll be different for different people, a kind of maximum dose you can take before the laxative properties kind of uh, kick in, let's say. Um, so um, this is, again, one of the reasons why we were both so excited to have um, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers um, be the sponsor for the show because it's combining all of these different forms. So a couple other forms, um, magnesium orotate. Um, so that is magnesium chelated with um, orotic acid. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but it is a um, very important, um, a very important piece of DNA. Um, so it's quite easily absorbed. It's been shown to improve cardiac health um, and, um, and blood vessel health. And actually there, there was even a study in people with um, congestive heart failure that found that magnesium orotate supplements were significantly um, more beneficial for symptom management than a placebo, which is kind of cool. So that's, again, you're sort of benefiting from both the magnesium and the thing it's chelated to. Um, and then finally, um, you'll often see this on labels where it says magnesium chelate. That can refer to a couple of different forms of magnesium. Um, so it's kind of like a general term. Most often it refers to magnesium lysinate, glycinate chelate. So that's magnesium that's bound to both a lysine amino acid and a glycine amino acid. Um, we've already kind of covered glycine because of magnesium um, glycinate, obviously, uh, is, is chelated to glycine. Um, lysine is a really important amino acid for growth and tissue repair. It also appears to have a really important role in reducing anxiety and normalizing cortisol. 
And lysine is also an amino acid that's been shown to decrease uh, viral replication of herpes simplex viruses. Um, so it's a common supplement for reducing cold sores, for example. So those are like the seven forms of magnesium chelates that have been shown to have like high absorbability rates. And they're all right. They're bound with different amino acids that each have their own benefits. And this is like where we bring it all home, why um, uh, Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough is just so cool is it has all seven of those forms in one supplement. I've, I've never seen a magnesium supplement that does that. Like sometimes you'll find ones that maybe combine two or three forms, but this is basically like, hey, let's, let's maximize absorption because now we're we're using all of these different amino acid transporters. Um, so we're not going to overwhelm one transporter, which then is always going to trigger. If you overwhelm one transporter, then you're not absorbing your magnesium as well. And then you're getting more in the large intestine and you're getting that laxative effect. So we're going to use all of these different transporters and we're going to provide all of these different additional amino acids that have each been shown to be beneficial in different circumstances. I think I think that's really cool. I think you could even call that a breakthrough. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sure they never thought of that when they were coming uh, out. Marketing. <laughs> gosh, between you and Matt, the puns just never stop. Oh. I love all of this information because the original question that started all of this is Sarah, why is this particular supplement working so well for me? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And I will side note, you know, I don't like to talk about poop, but um, as someone with sensitive digestion for a multitude of reasons, I do not have any issues um, taking this particular magnesium. So let me just put it out there. I'm not going to answer any other questions regarding that, <laughs> but I do want to say I have been taking see, it for see, a long I time. Need more, I need more nope. detail. Nope. I need to know more I about just exactly the problems that other magnesium supplements have caused for you in the past. No, we don't need to go there. Thank you. I I'm so uncomfortable now. (laughs) Moving right along. Um, I'm still back at this beneficial, synergistic approach to magnesium going from 10% absorption to 90% absorption. Like you, you kind of like said that and moved on so quickly. And I was like, whoa, I think that's one of the things that I really want to highlight because as someone who, um, has looked into a lot of supplements and you know this because you and I spend time together and you take supplements and I'm like, I don't, nope, I'm not going to, uh-uh, nope, I can't. Like, I just am like, no with supplements. But when I do take them, I want them to work and I want them to matter. And yeah. I think that's the frustrating thing for me is that the more I learn about them, the more I'm like, well, I could take, you know, for example, this magnesium, but then I'm only absorbing 10% of it. What benefit am I really getting? I don't like taking pills. Like it's, it's just annoying. Um, and so like, that's such a bad excuse. I like, oh, I'm not going to optimize my health because it's annoying. But <laughs> I like the idea of doing that with a purpose, right? Like yeah. knowing that Everything that we know about magnesium, especially because as someone with MTHFR, it's helping methylation. So it's helping the liver pills and the B B vitamins that I'm taking, like all that kind of stuff, as well as vitamin D, which as a very fair person, I'm, you know, just 
naturally needing um, because I'm not in the sun a lot because I burn and blah, 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 blah. Right. So for me, um, I, I just want to emphasize this idea that we need to be looking at the supplements that we're taking and making sure that they're quality. And I'm not just talking about magnesium. I'm talking about the full spectrum of supplements. And I think the world, America in particular, is eating a diet that is deficient in nutrients. And the answer, like some of the studies that you were looking at is, oh, well, let me just give you a supplement for that. Or let me give you a depression medication for that, or, you know, (laughs) whatever it might be. But the answer is, if we if we pull back a little bit and look at the source and say, okay, can we start eating more foods that are naturally higher in magnesium? And can we take a supplement that is more bioavailable? Um, That is going to be more helpful for most people Mm -hmm. than, you know, some of the other things. Now, again, we're not medical professionals, but as someone who has avoided supplements for much longer than I, I had the I had the knowledge to do better and I I didn't and now I am working really hard to um now that I know better to do better yeah I guess I just wanted to call that out because it it was quickly said by you but I think it's so important well and I I think that as we're wrapping up this show like the other thing to to go back and emphasize is how challenging it is to get sufficient magnesium from the diet when stress is not managed. Um, And, you know, like our listeners know that you and I uh, take nutrient density seriously and that we work really hard to, to consume a nutrient dense diet. I've been taking magnesium supplements for eight years. Um, And over that time I've experimented with different forms, super excited that by optimizers magnesium breakthrough now exists, but, um, but that is, that was one of the earliest supplements I added to my diet that I, you know, really felt a huge difference when I took it. And it's just because of this aspect of, you know, our listeners also know that, um, uh, chronic stress and I have a love hate relationship and, um, and so magnesium has just been something that I've, um, I've always recognized I need. And so, um, and so I think, you know, as much as I don't like talking about the supplements that I take, because I, um, I really don't want anybody to take a supplement just because I take it. Like that is not the reason to take a supplement. Um, it's really important to talk with a medical professional about any supplement that you want to take. Um, and you know, just run it past them, make sure they don't have a good reason for you to not take it. Or, um, maybe they have a reason why they want you to take double what it says on the bottle too, right? Like it could be something on the other side of that. Um, so, you know, as always with, um, anything, anything in this vein, uh, run it past your doctor. Um, and so that's, you know, I don't take anything without, um, without a really strong reason and without the recommendation of my doctor. And that is, um, what I recommend as a general approach to supplements. Like, um, they never should be, uh, oh, I heard this is good. And that's the end of the story. Um, it really needs to be taken thoughtfully and intentionally and ideally (laughs) with medical supervision. Um, but, uh, but I do want to sort of emphasize that this is, you know, magnesium is something that I recognized very early on, despite, uh, my incredible focus on a nutrient dense diet, eating all of these magnesium superfoods, or at least most of them, 
um, that this was something that I needed more of. And that's, that's because of the stress piece that I think is really important to emphasize. And the only thing that I would add to that is if you've had this realization early on for magnesium or anything else where you're like, you've heard us talk about something and you're like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to try that. And you tried it and didn't feel a difference. Like I would recommend talking to a medical professional and it might not be your doctor. We also have a show dedicated to, um, the different kinds of medical professionals Mm -hmm. that you can talk to about certain kinds of things. You want to see someone whose expertise is in understanding the nutrient absorption and how it plays into your body and how different lifestyle factors play into that, right? Not just take magnesium, but what kind of diet are you eating and what kind of lifestyle are you living and then figuring out what's right for you? Because it might be like Sarah said, you weren't taking enough, or it might've been, you weren't taking the right kind that your body needs or different kinds of things. And that's what it was for me as I took magnesium off some cheap brand that we got, you know, in a store somewhere and I didn't feel a difference. And so I was like, oh, I must be magnesium sufficient because when I took magnesium, (laughs) I didn't feel a difference. Um, That wasn't the case. So if that's, you know, something that you've gone through, whether it applies to this or a different kind of supplement, um, I, I highly recommend that. And I know that we say all the time, like, we're not doctors, talk to a medical professional, but this seriously, this is your health. This is your body. This is what you have for the rest of your lifetime here. And if you don't take care of you, no, nobody else can. So it's worth a little time and effort to figure out what's right. And I also want to point out that if you did, you know, talk to a medical professional a couple of years ago and figured out what's right, it might be time to revisit and just make sure that it's Mm -hmm. still right for you. Because these things fluctuate, especially with how stressful, the changes in specifically America, but the world in general has been in the last six months, like your body might need more um, due to the stress that maybe you're facing or the lack of sleep that you're, you know, dealing with or whatever it might be than you did last year even. So just putting that out there. If you do decide that you want to take the magnesium supplement, the one that I love and thank you for being our sponsor this week is you're saying by optimizers. I'm saying bio optimizers. There's one O. So I think Sarah's right. <laughs> it's by optimizers. Uh, but you can just go to mag breakthrough, M A G breakthrough. That's O U G H um, dot com slash whole view and um, get 10% off. If you don't go to that link, you could just use whole view 10 as the discount code for 10% off of the magnesium breakthrough supplement that I have been taking and have seen a difference with. So thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. Thank you for being part of this awesome community. We know that we would be besties if only you could chime in. Super besties. The best way to stay in touch with us is to engage on our social media, subscribe to our newsletters, and share this podcast with others. Thank you for sharing. We love your reviews in iTunes, Stitcher, or however you listen. Uh, I might need to kick this cat out. She don't kick was her. sleeping That's nicely. Nice. And now, not <sighs> figuratively, <laughs> figuratively, I don't know where she went. All right. Well, we'll, we'll 
go and see if she decides to, if she's making that much of a fuss over my ankles, it's going to be really distracting. I think um, they are wonderful ankles. <laughs> I am clearly in a mood today. <laughs> if I tell you why I need a minute, you're going to be pissed at me. But Rothy's just sent me an email and they came out with a new shoe that I want. And if I don't get it right this second, it will run out of stock. And so I don't want to be distracted when I start the show. And once we start the show, I'm going to forget. And so I'm just going to add it to mm-hmm. my cart and I'm just mm-hmm. going to take care of it. You okay. know what I'm saying. I, uh, if you could see my facial expression right now, <laughs> you'd be like, I'm, I'm, I'm pinching the bridge of my nose is what's happening. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a nose pinch situation. Okay. It's all good. It's all, all right. Good. I'm ready now. Wow, that was really fun. Did you check it out and everything, or you just put it in your cart yeah, so that it's like... I already like... have everything. Are you kidding? Do you know how many Rothies I own? They know me. They, <laughs> they like, see me coming. <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.